Blog Talk Radio. Hey, yo, yo, Pop, yo, check out that situation right there, yo. Yeah, with some motions, man. Yo, honey, right there, yo. Yo, the fine Amazon, man. Yeah, yeah, she got it going on and on, like, you know what I'm saying? She be trying to act like all of that, though, yo. So show us boss, man, what's up? Yo, big kid style. No question, big kids in full effect, man. Yo, I'm going to kick the Willie Bow Check it, yo. No question. Ayo, what's the 411, hon? What's the 411, I got it going on, Hey, yo, I got it going on. What's the 411, huh? What's the 411, huh? I got it going on. Hey, yo, I got it going on. Will I be pooping on this chair? The nigga from last year. Jabo's hanging back. He Tommy Hilfiger top gear. Take no shorts. I'm doing lovely in all sports. Even swing the pole at the hole on my golf course. Some say I'm fancy because I'm horny and nasty. If I see some rugged joints, then I won't let it pass me. I take no shorts. Let suckers step up the seat. I'll flip the script and get harder than Jeopardy. I shot the sheriff and the motherfucking deputy. Check it, I'm not key sweat, but bet that ass that I can make it last Skins turn their head so fast, they end up catching whiplash If Hun's a monster, I'm Kyle Lewis on the meter dash It's Grand Pooba, baby, and I'm getting crazy cash What's the 411? Let me know, hun What's the 411? What's the 411, hun? What's the 411, hun? I got it going on Hey yo, I got it going on, Hey yo, what's the 411, hun? What's the 411, hun? I got it going on Hey yo, I got it going on yeah, nigga, what makes you different than the next nigga seen you last week and you couldn't even speak? You try to play like Mr. All of That, but now you want to come to me with some chit-chat? I don't have no time for no wham-bam, thank you, ma'am. Gas me up, get me drunk, and hit the scissors and scram. The same old shit you pulled last week on Pam? I'm not having that. No, I'm not having that. You gotta do a lot more, and that's just how it be. I'm married by the you just ain't running up for me. I need a man who's looking out with some security. So come correct with some respect and then we will see. So if you're with it, then drop the seven digits and I might just give you a call. If you ain't with it, then don't waste your time at all. So what's the 411, huh? Honey was talking a little something, man. Yo, so what's up? Push up, man. I'm going to catch up with it in a minute right now and see what she's talking about. So set it straight, man. All right, yo, I'll get back with you later, G. Chill. Oh, my love is all I have. And Grandpa is very special. All right, welcome to the Wednesday Night Wind Down. I'm hoping that we can be heard. I'm going to go ahead and open mics for Shakir. Are you here? Yes, I am. How are you? I'm all out, chick. It's been a long oh. couple of Okay, well, um, I'm still getting over my crud, so... Every now and then, I might take a, a break. I might mute y'all so I can, you know, do that smoker's coffee. And um, and we're just going to make it roll uh, how we do. Completely understood. Um, we got this whole um, chat room thing trying to go today. You know, it's been a minute since the chat room has worked correctly. So chat room is open. I'm hoping it is. Uh, functioning correctly I'm not sure But we're going to see 
Um, right now, I don't see much conversation in the chat room, so I don't know if that's a sign that it is not functioning. Nevertheless, you're welcome to call in, hang out with us on the phone, and um, we're going to talk about some things. We're going to get a little serious today, and I, you know, serious for us. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's an understatement. <sighs> so my understanding is in the chat room there is no sound. So I don't know if that means there's no sound online, but I don't know what the deal is with this chat room. This is every single time. Not sure. Just been crazy, that's for sure. I just want to say um, we missed you, DV. It is so nice to have you hanging out with us again. Um, DV is hanging out. He's in the chat room, but again, in the chat room, he can't hear. So he's also hanging out, um, listening on on the line. Okay. Yeah. So we see how many fights he starts today. Hey, in the chat room. We welcome you back to the country. I'm hoping, I'm thinking you back in the country. You say you've been out of the country. I'm hoping you're back in the country. We welcome you back. I'm about to say, no telling with her. She, she, yeah. Oh, Imaj too. Yeah, Imaj too. Um, so today we're going to talk a little bit about um, the Missouri uh, University situation, which, of course, is going to lead us to some race relation topics. I posted a couple of things on my um, Facebook page that just kind of seemed like it's all kind of hitting the head at the same time. Um, There was a little situation, I believe it was in Australia, um, with a couple of um, African men, uh, young men, college men, who um, were racially profiled in Apple Store. And it escalated pretty quickly. Within hours, you know, they have been accused, they have been um, asked to leave, and then they have been publicly apologized to by Apple. So it's just, you know, are we are we more prone to find these situations than, you know, because we are kind of on high alert, um, or is it the same amount of these incidents as it was you know, 10 years ago when it wasn't all over social media. Honestly, you've got the advent of social media, which gives people, gives more voice to people than more, more so now than pretty much ever before for all intents and purposes. I mean, you know, there's just no ifs or buts about it. I mean, even, even corporations and, you know, uh, learning institutions, the whole nine yards, you know, we, we ran into a lot of that, you know, literally years ago when Facebook finally came to prominence, uh, Twitter even more so. You know, now we're you know now we're having law enforcement agencies that 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 have dedicated personnel to the Vine, to to Instagram, to you know every possible social media outlet to quite literally catch people doing dumb shit. You know, mm-hmm. this. this Let's just call it what it is for the most part. I mean, we we 
you know, if it wasn't for, you know, I mean, not necessarily to, and I can't even call it to make light of a situation, but the thing, the the, the whole twerking incident that happened in, in Southeast D.C. earlier this week where, you know, two women literally are accosting a dude and he didn't want to be privy to it, you know. Then we find okay. out. After, yeah. I saw that. Didn't know hey, about and it. You know, okay, you that slipped your I head saw off. that little video, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, dude is sitting there on his phone, minding his own business, trying to, you know, wait in line to do whatever the case may be, and he's got this chick popping her booty in his face. And, mm-hmm. you know, then, of course, you know, everybody on social media, of course, has to be, you know, keyboard gangsters and, and got all these little opinions and things of that nature, talking about so well, you know, if it was me, I wouldn't have been doing all that. Dude, stop playing. If you got women that are saying, regardless of whether they're reasonably attractive, not reasonably attractive, whatever the case may be, you don't know the situation until dude at least gets a chance to say something. Then we find out that he really didn't want that to happen to him. Can't blame him. Not every man is really on that kick. And then mm-hmm. he also said that something that wasn't even shown in the video that was from his perception where he said there were some dudes that were outside in the car that were looking directly at the women as they were doing whatever they were doing to him. So he's sitting here thinking, okay, if he tries to defend himself or he tries to push him away or whatever the case may be, that these dudes going to bother us to show. Right. I can't be mad. I cannot be mad at him for looking out for for self. True, because yeah. you know any woman who's standing. I mean, because this is watching the video with no you know sound. But um, any woman that is standing, minding her own business at a counter, you're being serviced, so your attention should be at this cashier. But for some reason. You decide that I'm going to twerk on this man behind me. Who's on the phone? Could be talking to his woman. So you could be trying to get him in trouble with his woman, you know, with her listening to the background uh, interaction, whatever. But any woman that has that little respect for a stranger, a man, or herself, you don't know what kind of people she run with. So definitely, for the class of guys, you have no idea what type of dudes we're talking about because look at what got out of the car you know and then and then the friend the other female who comes along and uh, she doesn't exactly twerk on him but look at how she's touching all over him you know and this is you know he's not interested he's so not interested in this interaction and you know know, she's rubbing all on him and touching him and I'm like you know, if he would have hauled off and smacked the shit out of her, that would have been a whole different video. Yep. And somehow he would be implicated as the aggressor because he put his yep. hands on her. Absolutely. And so, and so, of course, you know, like you were saying, to see the the jury of the general public talk about this guy. Oh, yeah, literally speaking. Yeah, because he reports it and, you know, he's not looking for these women. And they're like, oh, this, you know, they call the guy everything. But mm-hmm. how how terrible to be in that moment and, and not be able to slap the shit out of somebody. Or, you know, because it's not the guy you are. 
And then you get real cute for it because you had a little mm-hmm. bit more respect for the women than they have for themselves. And that was the and therein lies pretty much the problem, you know. I mean, yes, we understand that you know you have somewhat of a there, there's always that double standard that's out there when it comes to that. But you know, you you right. obviously can see you can obviously see the discomfort, and there's mm-hmm. just no if and but, but regardless of whether he was on the phone with anybody in particular, he could have been on. The, and again, they said you know they're assuming he was on the phone with his wife, so he's trying not to sound like he wasn't with it. I'm like, there might actually be some dudes that actually might be not okay with a random chick, right? You know, popping off on them like that. Mhm. And you, it's so funny because guys see this, um, and I'm I'm making a generalization, but you said what you said, and DV almost said the exact same thing. You know, he said the double standard exists. That if two men were grinding on a random woman. They would have been arrested for assault. You know, it could have been, been a finger, it, 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 it could have been a finger lightly grazing her ass, and it's assault charges. Yeah, ain't no nobody would have seen that video if there were two guys doing that to a woman and thought, "Oh, oh she no, ought to she, like she, she it and take mm-hmm. it, and she ought to work that thing." They would never say that. Mhm. But that's. Yeah. That's part of it. I mean, it's just a simple, it's a simple, simple matter of maybe if they start doing these, if they start pursuing these in these fashions. I mean, I even had people sit there and will sit there and actually go, well, don't the police have more important things to investigate? Dude, you investigate everything. Right. That's uh, their job. That is what that is what law enforcement is there for. You can't prioritize what's important and what's not important because if it happened to you, you want them to be on it ASAP. So don't sit here and act like if it is because it happened to someone else and it wasn't someone that was directly connected to you that all of a sudden it right. might you know, there's a minor instance and he should be he should be getting over it. You know, if it happened to your son, if it happened to your brother, if it happened to your father, you'd be pissed. If you happen right. to be that woman that might have been on the phone with him while he was being accosted, you want somebody to see what's going on with him at that moment. Right. So don't don't sit here and go, well, you know, they're coming after them. I ain't worried about them because they're not coming to my house. Well, eventually they will come to your house, and then who's going to advocate for you? I'm waiting. I'm waiting. So. That, but that I, I saw that, and you know it's so funny. You kind of see what the videos are going to be about, and you, you know, I decided I don't want to see that, so I saw it on my newsfeed a few times. And so finally, I was like, "What is this?" And I played the video, and I was like, "This is real! Like this really happened." Mhm. And then it's one of those videos where it's like looking for the, you know, they don't even know who these women are, and so they're waiting on somebody to turn turn them in. And you know, anybody knows where these two women are. They're not going to turn in because they don't see this as a real something. Nope. It's almost like even women would re- would, would see that video, see what happened, and be like, are they really serious? Are they really turning these women in for this? Oh, they know they like it. I mean, even women have internalized that social view of um 
you know, men being able to handle it. So. Right. It, it is what it is. Yeah, it is, it is. Um, and, okay, so today is going to be one of those conversations of um, those serious things that we often avoid on the wind down because we have so many different um, personalities here and mentalities here. Um, so as <laughs> Imaj and Ron show up, we'll get into some of these other um, discussion because I want to keep it varied so that, you know, most of the uh, different viewpoints are represented because I want to get into this discussion that you brought up on your page today about <laughs> uh, the Missouri yeah. University versus the H, you know, the the historically black colleges. I I use the um, acronym around the group of people, and they were like, what does that stand for? So <laughs> I said, oh, yeah. you can't assume everybody knows what that is. So, but I, I I was wondering, you know, let's compare that because we know that Iman is proud of her um, alma mater. And mm-hmm. I just want to know. I just want to look at those viewpoints because I saw somebody else comment about, well, Nancy, they don't respect you. Come home to where you're always respected or something like that. And I went, I went through some of that with um, some people when I went to college because I did not grow. I went to actually a private college, predominantly other college. And um, it was really interesting because you get this, you deal with this space where you're the only black person oftentimes in any group at any time. You know, that was mm-hmm. my college experience. Didn't matter which uh, department, I was almost every time the only black person in the entire space. Um, and then you get back to where you are, you know, where you live, where you're born, um, where you're raised, where you spend all your time, which is a predominantly black area, and you know everything about that space and those people and, and those that culture, and people still want to shun you. Like, dude, I went to school with you for all of our, you know, school years. How am I different now because I've been at this college for two years? I don't understand. I'm the same person that went through every part of your growing up except for the last two years, you know. So that was always pretty strange mm-hmm. for me. It was like, what made me change in two years? I'm just getting this education, and I'm I'm already who I am. You know, my formative years pretty much have been done. I'm just over here getting some additional information. We're, just, we're from the same place. We're made of the same hardships, you know. And it was really weird to come home sometimes and realize that you were seen as different because you did not attend um, at HBCU. Right. It was really, 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 really interesting. So I know with this situation that some of that is happening. But at any point, can that take away from the state of the situation? 
the the way that I the way that I express my viewpoints on my on that particular status message, I stand by those one hundred percent. The premise behind it was literally because of the supposed prevailing thought that okay, all all ills will be cured if you just come to a HBCU. I have a real problem with that because mm-hmm. once you leave, once you leave said safe space, you still have to go out into, you still have to venture out into the world. You have to venture out not only outside of your college campus, outside of your neighborhood, and and things of that nature. You're eventually going to have to interact with other cultures, with other races, with other ethnicities. You know, I mean, there are other people of color that you still have to deal with outside of black folk, you know, on top of dealing with Eurocentric and, and, and white Anglo-Saxon, you know, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants and, you know, that type of thing or whatever. So what in, what exactly are you going to, if you're going to, if you're going to apply that quote unquote, not that, that, that premise, okay, you're around other black folk, how are you going to function around other races? when you have to apply to corporations, when you have to apply to the state or federal government, if that's the direction that you're planning to go in. Last time I checked, most of those areas were integrated. And the majority of them have more of them than is of you. And if you don't have the social conditioning to be able to not only recognize when somebody's doing something that you're not comfortable with or recognize something that or or for or, or or even worse not be overly sensitized to it to be hypersensitive to certain situations in some instances there's a there's a there's a growth aspect that comes to that never mind the fact that you you have a choice to go to an HBCU or go to a regular institute, I, I can't even call it that, just to go to a college of any sort. I'm like, that's, that was the choice that we are that we are now given, as opposed to you ain't got no choice but to go to an HBCU, and whatever happens will happen. When I was playing, and, and I hate to, re, I hate to revert, revert back to my, my, my high school and college days when I was actually playing basketball. I was not a quote unquote all American athlete. I was very good at what I did. I was one of the better players in the state. Absolutely. I was recruited by various institutions. I can count on one hand and leave out about three fingers the number of HBCUs that recruited me to come to their school and play ball. Now whether that was a matter of college scholarship or anything along those lines. Hell, I, I actually even sent recruiting videos to certain schools, including the ones here in the city. Got no bite. You know what, you know when they actually gave me a shot and, and decided they wanted to see about me and things of that nature? When schools like North Carolina and Michigan and Tennessee – and Alabama and Georgia Tech all of a sudden started paying attention to. Then all of a sudden, oh, okay, well, we can come see about you now. Really? 
Where were you when I was sending my tape to you? So all that to say is there's a way to there's a way to have the best of both worlds as best as you can. There's no perfect scenario regardless of whether you go to an HBCU or whether you go to an integrated university. There's no perfect scenario. There never has been a perfect scenario. You have to do what you feel you need to do based on, one, your college career path, two, your comfort level when it comes to dealing with when it comes to dealing with other ethnicities. There are some people that just really ain't comfortable whatsoever in, in dealing with other races, both black and Euro. They just don't have it in them to, to really function. So they'd rather be around their own people. I can't say that there's anything wrong with that. I can't even say that, that they're that they're, you know, less adept at dealing with humanity than someone who's been around a lot of other people and, and can kind of deal or whatever the case may be. But the bottom line is if you're going to achieve to a certain point and you're trying to aspire to a certain standard or a certain level, eventually you're going to be dealing with other people that have skin colors different than your own. I'd rather you do it at a, in, in an environment where you can try and affect that's my preference. Mm-hmm. But again, but again, so, it is a personal. It is a personal choice. Choice. Right? Thank God. Thank God. In the twenty first century, we have that. Uh, some points that uh, DV, who um, is a proud HBCU grad, um, I'm making sure I say that. Um, but some points that he was making was that. He said, um, when at the point of being in a society that is multicultural and multiracial, he was saying that in that regard, we deal with other races and ethnicities regularly anyway. So being at an HBCU doesn't limit you to that experience. Um, he said taking a few years to be around an educated group of us isn't a bad decision. I mean, and that, and that is true, you know. Um, definitely, it, I feel like it definitely does something for your um, uh, sense of pride or, or sense of um, connecting to kind of who you are, finding that a deeper connection with your ancestry or heritage in the sense that um, – for all those years, you didn't see anybody that looks like you in those history books or whatever. And, and now you get to this place where a lot of what you learn and a lot of the, the heritage and the tradition is steeped in those who look like you. So um, I do think that is something that's different. Um, <clears throat> it's, I mean, you definitely are welcome to speak through the phone, I would definitely give you the ability to speak for yourself instead of having me read all your comments, DB. Um, so feel free to um, to speak. Sorry. Uh, let me know if you want to. But 
I definitely hear as well what you're saying, uh, Shakira. I, I think one of the things for me was the experience of I did that. I, I did the predominantly black everything, my community, my school, my social experiences. I did that. I, I was made of that. And um, I was looking, I was weighing other things outside of a cultural experience. I was looking at uh, the business from home, and I was looking at um, what the program offered. I was looked upon, how I was ranked nationally. I was looking at those kind of things because I was a little bit of a nerd when I was 17. So, um mm-hmm. And so I was looking at that. I, I was at that compared to, you know, um, every other college in in every other location. It wasn't just um, a, a um, historically black college versus a more traditional state college kind of thing. I was looking at what I wanted to do and who was ranked high in, you know, those areas. So that's kind of what led me there. And then, you know, every time I needed to be around us, I had like an hour and 10-minute drive to get to us, <laughs> and I would do that, you know. So I didn't I didn't want for those interactions either. <clears throat> okay, so Ron showed up to work. I'm impressed. And I'm going to go ahead and bring Ron in. Because he showed up to work. How are you, sir? I'm absolutely peachy. I showed up for work. Yo, the backhand compliments are just astounding. Mm-hmm. What's going on, kid? Not too much, man. Everything's good so far. Right, all right. I'm, I'm listening to you. you know what I'm saying, give you Al Bundy stories. Good. I try my best. I try my best to avoid that shit. Seriously, <laughs> there was there was just no other if ands or buts about it as far as that was. It's just it, it was a. And DB, would you tell I me which then, number is yours, please? DB, which number is yours? Right, Trying to get DB to tell me which number is his so he can share his thoughts before we move on to another topic. I'm saying, but this man is talking, and you interrupted him about somebody that we don't even know. I mean, I'm curious to where you're that. We know, Dee. Don't play crazy. Shakira is trying to impart some wisdom on us, and here you go interrupting the man. I don't appreciate that for okay, him. Okay, I'm starting. I'm starting to want to hang up the phone on you. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't been at work ten minutes and getting fired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Story of my life. So I apologize for interrupting you, Shakir, not Ron. But I just because I know that was the conversation before I started speaking was that DB could come and speak for himself instead of me reading his comment. Um, and Imaj weighed in on this topic too. She was saying that she spent her years growing up in a predominantly white school 
um, her experiences before college. So mm-hmm. her heart sent her to the HBCU route for college. And um predominantly well it was still some you know, she said it was more of a melting pot experience for her. Yeah, and I think that was the other thing that I didn't get a chance to necessarily explain as well is that like, I think that was part of the reason why I said personal choice. You know, here in Atlanta, I went to one of the uh, more historically black high schools in Atlanta, you know, as far as that was. Mm-hmm. Um, and being in an all-black institution, okay, I've had my black experience, quote-unquote. You know, I, I, I knew how to, I knew how to function when it came to different different types of different types of black folks and all that other good stuff. I mean, we even had a few, we even had a few white kids that were in the school, maybe, you know, three, three or four here and there, that type of thing. There were also some Vietnamese uh, students that we had as well. So I got a chance to experience their cultures and, 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 and things along those lines as well. So when I got, when I got ready to start thinking about the, the next level, as far as my, my, my education was concerned, I never ruled out, and HBCU. I never did rule that out, so I have to make that clear mm-hmm. as well. But in the final analysis, guess who came calling? Now, you kind of go where the money goes. You said that you could count on your hand and have three fingers empty. So I'm taking that to mean that two. Okay? Literally. Um, all right. But now, let's look at proportion-wise. Proportion-wise, two HBCUs is about what thirteen percent of the HBCUs. Know what I mean? So now let's let's just call other schools conventional colleges or conventional higher education uh, places. Right. I'm sure thirteen percent of them didn't contact you. I'm sure. And you see again, what I'm saying? Yeah. So we got to look at percentages. We can't look at the the numbers. So that's like saying, right now. Um, African-Americans or black people, whatever you want to call them, are 13% of this country, all right? So if you see 100,000 black people do something as opposed to 100,000 European-Americans do something, you go look, I'm like, see them Negroes doing something? Uh, but wait, it's the same amount of people. But the proportion of us that may do that may be more. So that's why they, they, they look at it like it's, it's more rampant. So I would say that you can't necessarily take the sheer numbers, you know what I'm saying? You look at the proportion. So proportion-wise, they reached out more than the conventional uh, uh, universities and colleges. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and then also, and not to make excuses for them, which I'm always, you know, make excuses for people. But <laughs> you're supposed to wait to somebody else that's, you know what I'm saying? You, as a dude, once the cool guy like that girl, then you, you oh, that's okay for me to like her too. You know what I'm saying? But if the cool guy don't like that girl, you'll be like, nah, I ain't rocking with her. You know what I'm saying? She got glasses on. You know what I'm saying? So once the cool schools start looking at you, then them other schools that wasn't as cool, that don't draft as good, that don't recruit as good, that don't have as good infrastructure, they like, oh, the the smart people are doing this. Let me do it too. So, I mean, that's just going to happen. You know that. That's that's the game we play. Follow the leader. Yeah, that's also another perspective. But, I mean, you're looking at an 18-year-old kid that's looking like, what the fuck? So, I mean, that's really where it was at that particular point in time. So I'm kind of taking – I'm trying to take that mindset that I had back then 
as far as my own personal, like I said, as far as my own personal choice. Right. Everybody right. has their everybody has their own has their own journeys that they have to deal with at that point, which is why I try not to belittle anyone for doing whatever they were doing. I mean, we've, we've got people that are literally like, well, why the hell did you go there if you knew this is what you were going to be dealing with? Well, maybe they wanted to be in a challenging environment such as that, and they right. might have thought that they, were strength, that they had strength of mental fortitude to be able to not only rise above those bullshit circumstances, but maybe be able to affect some change at the same time. And I just I just want to insert here that you know DB's over here crunching numbers and I just want I, I take pride in saying wrong your statistics suck they're wrong anyway go ahead <laughs> yeah we can go with that again all right but anyway. how wrong were they how wrong were, were they were they drastically wrong or just a smidgen um they were enough they were wrong enough See? to say they were wrong See that's what I'm talking about like See? It, See, that's that bullshit like if it was twelve. Like if it was twelve percent, I wouldn't say shit because you know you took you almost close to right, but it wasn't. I mean, what was I wrong was about wrong. though? Like, what, don't, don't what worry number about was wrong? It. I'm just saying your numbers are wrong. That's all I'm saying. Just take it. Take but, but I, I, I said like eight different numbers. Which numbers were wrong? <laughs> your percentage, your percentage, your thirteen percent was wrong. What of the country? <laughs> Reaching out to Shakira when he was a beast on the field. It was more, it was less than thirteen percent. That's all I'm saying. Shut the hell up. That's all I'm saying. Go and find a number. Right, number one. Doesn't have See, but that's not nice. That's not nice. And I don't think that DV did that because I don't think you know what I'm saying that 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 you know that's the number crunching that DV does. I think that was a Shamor number crunch right there. If you want the truth. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got nothing because I can't even get in the chat room, so I'm not even sure. <laughs> I, I think I that was a Miss I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you think that. I like, I take pride in the fact that you hate on me, like so sure. Whatever. <laughs> anyway. Right, right. But I was looking what? into that whole Missouri thing, right? And yeah. Oh, you want to weigh in I, on that? That's what you came on for. You guys well, no, not that's not what I wanted to to, to weigh in on. I, I wanted to just be part of the team is what I wanted to do. But now since you want oh to God. sing me out this is and call recorded. me wrong and shit. This is recorded. You said you wanted to be part of the team. I don't think I've ever heard you say that. Right. I just want to be a team member. That's all. I'm just here for the team. It's some but, bullshit. But, I Lies mean, will come after this statement. <laughs> <laughs> I can appreciate so, student oh. athletes slash athlete students um, taking a political and a social stance. I can appreciate that. Right. My my questions are one: Were they manipulated into doing that? Um. Two. What if I get Donald Trump taken off the ballot? But I get David Duke put on the ballot. You know what I'm saying? Did I really do anything? So yeah, they had this president step down. But who's gonna be the next president? And you do have a point. You do have a point at this. I mean, but yeah, you're, you're yeah. looking at. I think in this particular in this particular instance, and and really just using just using Mizzou as the as the as the microcosm of what could possibly be what could go on in any on on any campus. I mean, shit. By the time I was all said and done, I'm sitting here in inside of Knoxville, Tennessee, 
as an 18-year-old black kid playing ball for, for the university. So I get where a lot of those kids are coming from when it comes to the platform they have, the influence that they have, you know, in that regard as far as that was. And you can't, you can't, dis, you cannot discount the amount of money that they were, that they were literally hanging the university on yes. to affect the change in the quick manner of what they did. I mean, you're talking a million about, dollars for that game against BYU they was about to lose? No, yeah, it was a million that the university would have had to pay BYU to forfeit that game. They were willing to also finish the entire season out and say, you know what, I'm done. Mm. So you're talking about potential. It, had they had they had a winning record at the end of the season, you're talking about bowls. You, you're talking about a bowl game that they would have forfeited, mm-hmm. that they would they would not have played in, you know, had they have had a winning record, you know, that type of – I mean, you're, you're looking at a whole lot of different monies that are involved outside of, okay, we're just going to pay the president X amount of dollars that we paying him, which is more is going to weigh more. Are we going to pay this man and still have to deal with the bullshit, or are we going to lose money and still try to keep this man in office? Right. There's your change. So when you're you know, looking at – You know, I'm a conspiracy theorist. I feel like there's more shit on this president than the racial issues. Because of the amount of staff members that were willing to support this decision, and that's the other issue. That's the other issue as well. You're talking about the head football coach. You're talking about the majority of the faculty that also jumped on board and said, "You know what? I'm tired of it too." And you know, but, the but now you see the word you use, majority. Now, what yeah, about I, that minority the of the faculty? How do you go to their class tomorrow? Knowing that they didn't give a good goddamn about you and your plight. You know what I'm saying? And true, and this is true enough as well. But they never. The thing is, is that even even with social media, we never got a quote unquote listing of everybody that was for and the ones that were against. Hell, we oh, them players know though. We even had play. Look, we even had players that were on the team, both of color and not of color, that did not jump on board with this whole. Oh, we gonna forfeit the season if dude don't get up out of here. All right, so we and they only needed so a certain percentage of those players to not. No, we needed enough. You, you, you're looking at yeah, yeah, you're looking at a you're looking at a football team that was that that seventy seventy out of the eighty nine scholarship players were all African American. Right. So unless the unless the other the other eighteen were willing to play both sides both ways the entire season the rest of the season. To prove a point that yeah we still gonna function, I don't think that was gonna happen. But that's uh-huh. not the numbers. Not, not, not I'm not trying to pull a DV. But <laughs> all the Negroes weren't weren't on board, or, or am I mistaken? Say again. All of the Negroes weren't on board. Some like from my understanding, like, like, but that's, no, that's not even point. all of the athletes. Not right. not even yeah, all that. Yeah, African American yeah, athletes yeah, were on board, but they only need yeah. a, a set, a certain number of players that said, I'm not playing. So, and that didn't have to be black players. So if they got that set number of players that said, I'm not playing, then they could. Right, exactly. Well, but I'm sure as, as with every type of protest that's ever been organized, there was a discussion. And they were like, okay, you stand to lose your whole scholarship, so we're not going to ask Fred to do it. Fred, you chill. 
We're going to find right. somebody who plays Fred. I mean, I'm sure right. all of that went along with these decisions. And, and we'll be foolish not to think that a lot of this has some orchestration to it and, and plan, um, being planned out. But the most um, important, But the most important person in the entire transaction was the head coach of the football program. Right. He was the one that put himself out there along with his players. Now, if if the coach had not thrown himself out there and said, I stand with my team, then, yeah, we might have a different commentary at this particular point in terms of, oh, shit, I might lose my scholarship. What am I going to do? And with the way the NCAA works, even if you lose your scholarship, if you transfer to another university or an institution, as long as you don't drop in, in classification, you got to sit out a year. Right. So right. I'm sure that I'm sure all of that played into a lot of these players. I want to bring up a point that DB made in the chat room. He was saying um, that the head football coach didn't stand against the administration. He simply stood his players, and there's a exactly. And that's, that's my point. He I'm said, but did he have any the choice? Only way, he said the only way he was ever going to recruit again was to stand with his players. Exactly. And I agree with that, and I agree with that. So I don't oh, think he's the I only one that made a that that, that he. I don't think he was the most important one because he had no choice but to do what he did. The, I think the most important one is probably like those freshmen and sophomores. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe like those those second tier players. You know what I'm saying? If you're a top tier player, oh, we need you now. But those second tier players, you can get rid of you and find another one of you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So those to me, the the meat of the of the of the boycott or the or the or the protest, those dudes to me was the most important ones because you need to start in this, you need to start in that, you need to start in this. You know what I'm saying? Once those people get on board, yes, you're good. But I have a I have a different issue. You know, I have a different issue with the whole thing of it, and this is probably because I wasn't an athlete. But it's sad that the only way that it got this momentum in social media or, you know, uh, any media was when it started to be active. You're not going to tell me that the campus groups didn't, different clubs and, you know, organizations on campus didn't try to bring this to light. You're not going to tell me that they didn't have some quieter um, organized protests going on and no, no media okay. coverage there, no newsworthy okay. happenings there. But you start talking right. about the one thing that a lot of college is built on, the athletics and the funds that comes from that. Now mm, college yeah, we have is, a situation. Month. You know, now we have a situation worthy of news, and we have to fix this. These kids aren't going to play. We're going to lose money because they're not playing. What? Hey, random replaceable uh, a white guy. Step down. We'll put another one in. Everything will be good. I mean, mm-hmm. because I know this was an issue well, before I said, it got not, to this level. That's why I said this is not necessarily a perfect situation, nor is it a is, is it a is an actual fix. To whatever is 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 actually harming the the instance. I mean, they they already documented stuff that that was from at least ten years ago. Oh, right. You know, a lot of the thing, and this and this same president was in place during mm-hmm. all of that. So it just yeah. took this. It just took it, it. Unfortunately, I mean, you 
unfortunately, it's the part. It's 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 the it's the media news cycle that we're dealing with in this particular country. The ones that have the voices, the ones are the ones that have the most notoriety, the more that have the most celebrity. And even when it right. comes the to the ones universe, that stand to affect the capital game, that's the one I got to listen to. And, yeah, and you know, and I'm glad. I'm glad that whoever introduced these kids to that capitalist mentality and how much power is there, I'm glad that whoever that was let them know. Like this, and I hope it was a professor in political science studies or something to let them well, know let me, that let me, let this me, is how let me. you get attention for something when you want to make it known that it's an issue. Because well, let for me, how yeah, many to, years it didn't work. That, that, that's a matter of it's a matter also of a lot of the a lot of the players that have come and gone as well. I mean, you think about you think about the lawsuit that Ed O'Bannon put against uh, against against um, EA. UCLA. Yeah, when when he was you know the the guy that was at UCLA when he graduated from UCLA and then he goes and looks back on it he goes wait a minute EA Sports put my name on the back of mm-hmm. uh, an animated player's jersey I ain't getting no money off of it what's up with that you see what I'm saying and then if it wasn't for him we wouldn't have the college game the college game video games. That no longer that no longer even put the 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 name of the players, right? Uh, the name of the players on the back of their jerseys. So then they go, yeah. wait a minute, dude, look like me. What's up with that? Yeah. I ain't getting no money off of it, but you making money off my likeness. But if I try to make money off my likeness, I get eligibility hit and I can't play no more. Mm-hmm. So what's up with that? So it's it started to snowball to the point where and you get the from- Remember Maurice Correct with the whole with the whole Jersey thing? Exactly. You moved to that. Then you moved to I'm Northwestern. Like, Northwestern, the university is suing to get to unionize. Yeah, to literally unionize. Basically saying that, you know what, hey, we're making all these millions for these universities and all they're giving us is a couple thousand dollars to go to school that. for free. You know, to go to school for free. You know, as far as that is, we ain't talking about the whole friends of the program shit. We not right. That's a whole different argument and a whole different conversation. But I mean, they're, they're sitting here. They're sitting here with this antiquated ideal of, okay, you're getting a free education, you're getting a free quality education in exchange for you generating all these millions for us. Now the question is, I would ask is, what is quality? That's my point. You're, you're looking at it from a perspective of where you're playing, who you're playing for. Now, the only and, – and, and, again, quality is still a subjective term. This exactly. we agree on. This we definitely agree on at this point in time because even, even if you don't make it to the next level from a professional athlete perspective, you still got to rely on that degree that you got from this university that swirls up and down that this is a quality education. Or and, the degree that you didn't get. Because you ain't make it through. Yeah, exactly. You know, you may have burnt your knee. You know, you may have broken your knee or broken your exactly. ankle, or you know, ended up with a career-ending, you know, career-ending surgery where you can't play ball for the university no more. And the next thing you know, uh, sorry, kid, you can play out. You know, you can you can work out the rest of your semester, but after that, it's on you. You know, everybody always loves to everybody always loves to talk about these full scholarships, full athletic scholarships. 
when the scholarships are only signed one year at a time. They go in. Mm-hmm. The way that it works, the way that it has always worked when it came to the grant aid is you play out the season, and then once the season is over, you have a you have an exit interview with your coach. And I, goes, I swear that there is some shared brain wave between you and DV. There has to be. It's it's a matter of it's a matter of he he might have a certain perspective because he might have had you know friends that had sons that played or he may have played himself. I don't know. I have what I have in terms of my experiences, not only from teammates that I had in high school and college, but sons of teammates and sons that. You know, and sons of friends that have made it to the next level and things of that nature. It's a lot of different components that the general public is just not aware of. Mm-hmm. I'm like, they yeah, sit there. I mean, what, the same what, thing what, about the renewed yearly um, scholarships, and that it's not a free ride, as people like to say. Right. And exactly. I, I, I mean, mean they, I, I know. You know. They even, you know, they even sit there. I think they sat there and criticized one kid that was in the Final Four because he was like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't get to eat after a certain time of day because, you know, I don't got no, I don't have any money. Right. And they're sitting, here, and they're sitting here like, dude, you're in the Final Four. How do you not get money? And I'm like, y'all not, y'all ain't understanding how these grant names really work. Mm-hmm. And the fact well, that also, you also, also that, that I'm assuming that young man was ultra honest. Because if he you play by the rules, you you won't eat. But if you break them if, damn rules, you eat good. And, and again, that's a that's a matter of perspective at this point. But if you're talking about you get you got to you got to you got to you got only certain amount of times. And again, I'm I'm lying back on my college experience where the 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 cafeteria shut down at a certain time of day. And if you ain't right. get there, you better have some money to eat at a restaurant, at a fast food restaurant somewhere, or you better hope you got a ho- you got a homeboy in the dorm that 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 knows how to cook off a hot plate or something like that. Or how whatever. about you switch that to a home girl? I don't see no athlete in one who don't got females jocking them. I don't know one. Ever. No, I'm just that's what I'm saying. I'm just I'm just saying in that particular perspective, you you right. you literally have to use other. Your resources, other ways, just to be able to survive from seven p.m. at night to six a.m. the next morning. Yes, you know, sir. to seven a.m. the next morning when they finally when they finally serve their breakfast and you can finally get up in there. So, right. you know, the fact the fact that you as a star athlete generating millions for an institution have to go to such crazy levels. Or have yeah, your I mother mean, lights turned yeah. off? Why my mother lights got to get turned off? But this dorm lights don't never go off. Exactly. DB just mentioned my number on the back, and, and you making twenty thousand dollars worth of merchandising, but my mama can't pay her Conrad bill. That's craziness. Yeah, for real. Maybe just mentioned a situation where uh, Ashley was um, he lost his scholarship because he stole a sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, he says after six hours of practice, he was hungry. Hell, I'm hungry. Exactly, but unfortunately, the cafeterias were closed, and he may not have had he may not have had access to those to that to that network or, the, or those friends or whatever the case may be to try and at least try to survive until the next morning. So he did what he had to do, or he Great. wasn't a, a big enough earner. 
Because if you Jameis Winston, right. and you so steal some kick. lobster, crab legs, excuse me, you steal some crab legs, you Jameis Winston, you know what I'm saying? It's a, oh, he's just a young boy. Don't worry about it. If you Tom Marinovich and you do that, oh, don't worry about it. It's okay. But if you ain't the earner for that school, I can't, I can't, I can't wholeheartedly agree with that statement because there are a couple of kids in Florida State that I remember very well contributed to the university, not only to the university, but contributed to a, a national title that year that almost had their scholarships yanked from them for, the, for an incident somewhat similar. But so, you said almost. That's what I'm saying. Almost. The only reason right. why they, the only reason why they didn't was for obvious reasons. Um, but the 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 whole point of the matter is when you're looking at the simple fact of they've they've finally conditioned a lot of these high school kids that are starting to go to the next level. They're starting to go to the collegiate level, and they're saying you need to start treating your body as a business. Yes. When that started, when when you have when you had coaches that finally started to you know finally started to put it in their heads, that's when you saw the whole landscape of college football change, college basketball, uh, to a certain degree college baseball, but not 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 so much so because they're not as revenue generating as the other two sports. But right. the bottom line is they were all all of these athletes are now taught you need to treat your body as a business. You need to make okay. sure you do whatever it takes to make sure that your business stays solvent. And the only way that you can do that is to use whatever platforms are necessary to get what needs to get done. Now, see, that goes to, if you look at baseball, you got to out with that. When I'm going, listen, the best college baseball players are the ones who probably, for the most part, couldn't make it into the minor leagues. Because if you're really, really nice, for the most part, you have your Barry Bonds, you have your Jeff Kent, you have those who, you know what I'm saying, who go to college. Yeah. It is mostly pitchers, I would say, than position players. But sure. you, you have an outlet. You know what? I just go to the minor leagues, you know what I'm saying, get my per diem and get my little signing bonus there. You don't have that in football. Nope. You know what I'm saying? There is no minor leagues. you got a little bit of one in the, in the NBA with the D League, or maybe you could go overseas or to the CBA. You know what I'm saying? USBL. You got a little, little, little one in the NBA. But in football, you hung out there to dry. You got to play their game. Yep. And you got to play it for three years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can't, you know what I'm saying, go. You know, what was it do? Eric Swan that went from high school to the to the NFL, the last one. But he still had to sit out three, four years. Because you got to wait three years after your high school team, after your high school class graduate. That's, that, that's yep. ridiculous. But that's what they do. And again, all of that, all of that to kind of try and, you know, ramp it back around to where we're at. That's the reason why you saw the type of protest that you saw in this particular day because you, you have a more, you have a more learned, you have a more aware not from not only from a social perspective, but they're more aware from the financial portion of the right. equation. Right. They they they're selfish. They're, their own interest. Now, you've got to be nothing social. Just for their best interest is best to do these things. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, there's not, I, can't, I can't fault them for doing it, but let's not sit here and think that it's completely altruistic. Right. 
Right. So, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, listening to you guys talk, so amazing how with the passage of time, because you can't even call it evolution, um, we're talking about affecting any type of change based on the finances of the many and those finances being directly tied to the physical labor of us. Yep. Yeah, I was going to talk cotton, about how it looked like they're drafting. Down the field. Listen, it's just like on the slave auction block. You know what I'm saying? When you were at the NFL Combine, how, yep. how, oh, how, combine, how long can this that, you know what I'm saying, Negro stretch? That whole combine experience, it is so heartbreaking. It's so very smart. See, and that's what I mean by a quality education, because a person with a quality education knows what they're doing. A person with a quality education sees that. That doesn't mean that you still don't take part in it. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes with that quality education, you got to, you know what I'm saying, eat some, some crow that you don't want to eat. But mm-hmm. at least you know what you're stepping into. I don't think half of these people know that, like, they don't care about you. And I, But as time goes on, they're getting to know that more and more. You know, they don't mm-hmm. care about you. You know what I'm saying? They make it, oh, you coming into the Cowboys family. Oh, you coming into the Redskins family. Oh, you, yeah, oh, so you the that's a whole other thing with them bastards. But, you know what I'm saying, you coming into the Atlanta Falcons family. This ain't a family. This is a business. Yeah. Until yeah, you snap yeah, your yeah. ankle, you, you are only you are only as good as your production. That's it. You are only as you are only as beloved as your production. What you said about Ben Roethlisberger, <laughs> dude? What did I say? I think <laughs> I remember saying. I remember I saying. I remember saying that the the dude you sitting here telling you sitting here telling me that this dude can be convicted. Well, for all intents and purposes, convicted of rape, but he's still starting for the Steelers. You understand me? And they call him one of the stalwarts of the of the league. You know what exactly. I mean? One of the foundational mm-hmm. franchises. And that's pretty much where you're at at this particular point in time. And the reason why he is still viewed as such is because of that ring that he won not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Actually, he got two of them. Yeah. And you look at somebody like 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 uh like I was talking a little earlier to my cousin, and it was about basketball. And we were just talking about dudes who used to be the thing in college, and they just didn't pan out in in in, in the pros. And I started talking well, about a dude by the name of Chris Jackson that changed his name to Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. And the minute and, he changed his name, all hell broke loose. Well, because things came with that, he started staying in the locker room when they did the national anthem. Yep. Because this man had a certain level of knowledge that knows the national anthem is talking about. You know what I'm saying? For that. There's no refuge but the grave for the hireling of the slave. You know what I'm saying? Well, slaves, we all know what slaves are, but a hireling is anybody with a job. So you're telling me that there's no refuge but the grave for anybody with a job or a slave? Whoa, whoa, hold on. What are you trying to say in this song about me? You know what I mean? (laughs) So this man recognizes that in that song. So he said, I'm not going to take part in it. Once you start putting up that rebellious, socially conscious thing, Oh, they got to get you out the league. Yeah, shut your mouth, bro. You're supposed to be balling. This man was averaging yeah. 20 points a game when they kicked him out. Yeah, shut your mouth, boy. There you go. 
I mean, Craig well, I mean, Hodges didn't play for the Bulls. He he started winning the dashiki. He won the, the three point contest shooting two years previously. Now he's out the league. Like, well, this man just won the three point shooting contest. He started winning dashiki just to, to work and out to him out the league. Yep, but that's what happened. So, so let me ask you guys something. Let me ask you guys something. Let me ask you guys something. Because you're very, very vocal. Uh, I don't think you're going to uh, divert this from this question at all. So, in, in a general sense, what do you think that that a black man is looking for in society um, that will take all of these oppressive um, connotations off of just living every day. Just that would take away this over, it's like that cloud that kind of follows you around um, that there are racial inequalities. Like, what would remove that? How would that be removed? Absolutely nothing. See, I'm on the other side of that. The thing that, that, that takes that away is taking your ball and walking away. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not going to play this game. You know what I'm saying? Either sports are off limits for everybody. We don't. You play your own goddamn bouncing balls, mister. You know what I'm saying? And see how the quality drops. Or you get the Negro Leagues back. You know what I'm saying? So you know what? We're going to play with amongst our. No, we don't want to play with you. No. So what you offering me $10 million? I'll take this 500000 right here. But how many people will say something like that? Exactly. It's not happening. No, okay. I'm not going to say I mean, it's not happening. So, so, my ears heard Ron say that separate is equal. No, separate is not equal. Separate actually makes me prove my superiority. (laughs) Oh, oh, uh uh-oh, okay. That's the difference in on it. You like how I did that, right? That was cute. Yeah, I mean, it's a little something. It's a little trick move right there. You could be like, I mean, if you, you look know, at the beginning, I mean, if you if you go back Harlem to the 30s Grove, and 40s. That's like a Harlem Grove trying to kind of dunk right there. I wasn't regular. There you go. I mean, I, I mean you, and, and, and he, he does have a point. He has he has a point to a certain degree. The only problem is how many how many are, and, and, and you put yourself in a position where you're trying to compete against an established product now. I mean, when we had when we had the Negro Leagues, the Negro Leagues were born out of the lack of competition, not lack of competition, the, the the inability to even break into the major into the major leagues. So, no sir, no sir, no sir. They weren't built because of that. They were built because we did our thing. You know what I'm saying? Black hotels wasn't built because we couldn't get in white hotels. It's because we needed our own. You know what I'm saying? I mean. I'm, and maybe I'm oversimplifying in, in, in a, to a certain degree, but my point is this: you try to put yourself in a position where you try to put your you try to put all of your black athletes into one league by the you know separate of the NBA, separate of the NFL. You're trying to now reestablish in a modernized society a product. You're trying to set up a product that is competing with an established product already. We've seen that on the other side of the color spectrum, that that shit just didn't work. We've also seen that it does work, too. We've also seen where it works. You're going to have to give me something on that. I think everybody's waiting. 
I was just asking everybody's waiting on the little, you know, uh, evidence. Go, boom. Okay, established, established product, Pandora. You know what I'm saying? New product that's bigger than that title. You can do it. It can be done. You know what I'm saying? Um, established well, product, nothing, television, where, new product, where, internet. Nothing, where, wait, 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 wait. And I, I guess I got to take a little issue with title because title still has – If title is not in – let me put it this way. Title is not in all black – product. No, no, no. I wasn't speaking on all black product at that point. I was just speaking on established versus new. Now, if we want to go black versus white, you know what I'm saying, we can do that. But then what happens is since we don't have the infrastructure to to, to, to have certain things, we get taken away from us. So in other words, Kwanzaa, you know what I'm saying? You look at that as one as a holiday, right? But that mm-hmm. was taken away from us. Kwanzaa is bigger in Macy's and Nordstrom than it is, you know what I'm saying? In our stores, because we don't have the ability to keep up that 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 that, that machinery to run with it. You know what I mean? So I was just giving you of a established one. Do you think that that's the reason? Do you that? think that's the reason? I don't think that's the reason. I don't think that's the reason that it's bigger in Nordstrom than it is in your local mom and pop stop and shop. I think it's bigger in Nordstrom because if I take it away from y'all's ass, it don't mean nothing no more. So I right, have to be the same difference. It gets to the same end, absolutely, and that's why they took it because we don't want you to know. Say yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say I, I, I'm with that too. You know what I'm saying? But the fact that we don't have a a a competing Macy's or Nordstroms to make sure that we could, you know what I'm saying, keep it all proprietary shit. We 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 don't have that infrastructure. You know what I mean? That's one of the reasons why we can't be racist as a people. Because we don't have the machinery to be racist. No, we can be racist as a people. We just can't do it where it affects the masses. And that's not being racist. I know. Yes, it is. Because people need to stop and think about what they're saying. Being racist means that you have that already prior, you already had a, a prejudged situation based on a certain number of criteria that you come up with that have nothing to do with the realness of some pers- a person. We do that shit. We just don't have, like no, that's, said, that's, the that's being prejudiced. That's being prejudiced, prejudging over those things. Being racist is being able to stop somebody from doing something because of their skin color. We can't stop nobody from doing nothing except for feeling comfortable. I think that we can prefer our race over another, and it might not mean nothing. I think you can die wishing that it would change things. I think you can have a preference. There you go, because we don't have that machinery as a people. And you you got an Oprah here, you got a this dude here, this chick here, you know what I'm saying? But as a people, we don't have it. So so tell me this. This is what I want to know. How do you allow your African-American dollar to circulate within your community more times than it does now. How do you do that? I made a post the other day, and I got a whole bunch of likes on that shit. But on that post, I asked people to drop a link to a black-owned business that we could frequent during these holidays that are coming where people go spend all this major money outside of our um Black-owned businesses, and I said, drop a link. Do you know people shared my post 
four or five times, but nobody left a link to anybody's business. That, that frustrated the hell out of me. Because, I mean, we, we, are, we have gone, gone into this phase where we want to click like and move on with something, and then we walk away and say, I stand for some shit. And, and because I hit the like button on a post, now I'm pro-black, you know, because that was a pro-black post where your actions don't say that. Yeah, that right there. That frustrates me because I I waited all day to get a link dropped for somebody to say, hey, you know, this, like I said, my mom and pop stopping shop. Spend some money there. If you must do Christmas, do it there. That puts some money back in our community. Nope. Now, the other side of that is we do have certain directories of black-owned businesses, and I'm aware of a couple. And when I say a couple, I specifically mean two. (laughs) But in those directories, one, we have to stop. Listen, I am unapologetically African. We have to stop picking and choosing when we want to be melanated, okay? We have to stop saying that, you know what I'm saying, I don't want to post this because it will make this person upset. I don't want to post this because some of my Spanish friends go feel a way about this. I don't want to post this because <laughs> some of my white friends go feel a way about that. I don't want to say this because my Asian friends go take it wrong. Fuck them. If they're your friends, then they know what you're saying is what you're saying and not what they're listening to. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that that being said. Some of that jacked up Ron knowledge. I'm saying, man, you may not pick up what I put down. No, I'm saying, I'm just saying, I ain't I put mean, that down. You pick I feel <laughs> like this is some. This I feel like this is some stuff that you're trying to throw back at me because I tell you, watch your mouth because you say some shit on here, and I'm like, man, Brian, can you not say that? Nah, I mean, no, no, no. That that's not it. We've talked about that, but you know what I'm saying. That being said, why not? Listen, so the other day, I think it was the 30th Uh-oh. of October, was Dashiki Day, National Dashiki Day. Yeah, I think now, so. I didn't rock my, my Dashiki, and I didn't do it because I, I'm i a jerk, first off. But I don't want to <laughs> We know feel that part. Like, yeah, now you listen. I, I call it how I see it. I don't want to, you know what I'm saying, be dressing up as a superhero on superhero day. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it seemed like it was trivialized to me. Now, maybe that's me not looking at the big picture. Possibly. But I say that to say, I know everybody ain't had the same feeling I had, and I only saw one dashiki that day. I'm in New York fucking city. How the hell I only saw mm-hmm. one dashiki? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> maybe I, everybody it, was feeling like you felt. I, trust me, nobody, there's never been more than 10 people at the same time on this earth that felt the same way I felt, all right? <laughs> never. Never. Oh, God. I so I know they all wasn't thinking the way I was thinking, but I'm like, yo, what's going on? Where's my people acting like my people? You know what I mean? Like, we don't so do me, simple shit. So tell me, tell me what's the difference in saying it's National Dashiki Day? And saying Million Man March be here. What's the difference? 
there's very little difference in the big picture. But in the small picture, I mean, like, how do you organize a group of people to really turn out in those numbers, and mostly major numbers, and you just want a small fraction of that to put on that she can go to work? Consistency. Consistency. So now it shouldn't be once a year. It should be the 30th of every month we wear our dashikis. You know what I'm saying? No, we're not going to do that because then we're fucking up February. The 27th of every month we wear our dashikis. You know what I'm saying? Every month. Mm-hmm. So now, you know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, I forgot it in October. All right, but I got you in November. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, they did it in October. In November? Shit, I feel comfortable doing it in December. I ain't the only one. Oh, y'all did it these last three months? I'm definitely going to do it in January. Oh, you know, for February, I can't miss it now. Now, you done did it five months in a row. You know what I'm saying? Consistent. Yo, we need consistency, man. We ain't got no consistency in our in, in, in our in our game plan. You know what I'm saying? Everything is willy-nilly. That's why the Millionaire March it was consistent. They did it 20 years ago. They had a 10-year one, the Million More March. They had a Women's Million Man, Million Women March. They had a Million Youth March. Now they come back 20 years later with the Justice of House. That's a little bit of consistency. And on that note, I'm going to have to cut. Uh, I already see somebody making the phone call right now, so I will get on to good people. Yes, sir. It's been a pleasure. appreciate your time. Always. All right, so... um, Uh, and then is it just I me and you, Miss More Books? Is it just me no, and you? No, 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 no. Hell to the no. Is it just no, me and you, Miss no. More Books? Hell to the no, 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 no. Don't be scared of me. I won't bite. And don't worry. I won't be edible. <laughs> How are <laughs> you, Iman? Oh, my God. I wasn't laughing until now. I'm Speaking good. Speaking of edible women. Oh, my bad. What? <laughs> <laughs> What number is yours? What number is yours? What number is yours, DB? Where are you? Oh, my gosh. Um, good evening, Can everybody. Can you push one so I good know evening. which one you are? Um, push one, I hope DB. that you all are okay. Um, I'm awesome. And I just got okay. it. But anyway, uh, wait, wait, Imaj, you got company. Hey, company. DB is company. Hello? Hey, DB, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Hey, my I thought you told me it is. a long time ago, but I was like, which number is yours? You never told me. No, I'm calling from my work phone, so I don't know what type of traps and doohickeys they got on this thing. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, if they, uh, if you like, Call you on anything, tell them Ron stole it and was using it. You have no idea what number he's called. <laughs> well, I ain't telling them nothing. I, you know, I ain't looking like that. So I got to tell people something. No, no. No, I ain't like look. <laughs> I like that. So come on, share some of that great knowledge you've been sitting in the tech room. <laughs> yeah, my finger's tired. But, uh, no, that's what I was saying because. You reading everything that I was writing, I'm like, man, I don't know how to type this fans, but I'm but I'm doing it. But uh <laughs> you know, like but in all honesty, you know, without joking, um 
I, when I've been literally with this year, been all over the world, um, and and you see the perception that people have of you when you live in the United States. You know, everybody has an opinion on what's going on, and the most shocking thing is when people walk up to you and like, look, you know, y'all got it terrible. You know, you know, me being a black man, you know, they, they like, look, y'all, y'all got it terrible. I don't know how how you deal with all that. And and all you can say is because we have to, you know. Okay. So, you know, like I, I, I've literally read every book everywhere, you know, concerning uh, racism and and law. Like I've read so many law books, you know, my head is about to explode. So I know the law of the United States inside and out. You know, some international law. People ask me questions. I feel confident that I can answer them now. Because back in the day, it used to be like, okay, well. You know, this is what I believe. Well, no, this is what the law says, and this is what we can do, and this is what we should do. Uh, you know, my response is now. So I, I've literally grown a lot in the last year because, you know, I was forced to. With all these injustices going down, you know, you can do two things. You can shut off the TV or you can get smart about it. So I chose to get smart, you know, because a lot of people complaining but don't know where to go, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, everybody has this balling, you know, this, this festering ball of anger, and they don't know where to go out, so they lash out on every white person on, public, on social media, but they, they're not being productive with their anger. You know, put it towards something. Put it towards a movement. Join something. Do something. Stop talking about being something, you know. So that's what I find myself doing these days. Indeed. Man, that's commendable. Because you did check me in, in the chat room. You checked me real quick because you was like, that's not what racism is. Uh, sorry. Thank you. This is, and, you know. Shut up, Ron. I had to, you know. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, brother. Remember, the last word you said right. was I had to. All right, right. How come right. you so quick to say when he disagreed with me and my numbers was wrong? <laughs> but when he said your shit was wrong, you ain't mentioned that. No, wait, <laughs> this is what happened. <laughs> Ryan, you, you know, you were right. You, you, know, you were right in that aspect. You know, there's a difference between bigotry, prejudice, and racism. You know, and, I, and you know, when white people throw this in my face, they're like, well, you're being racist. I'm like, that's, that's impossible. You know, and the thing right. is, the only thing I do is quote facts. You know, so they say, well, that's racist. No, it's not. That's the law. Now, one of the, the main tenets of racism is the, the act of superiority, the belief of superiority, of superiority. And like I tell them, you know, you can't be, you know, black people in this country, they have no economic superiority, they have no sociological superiority, and they certainly don't have any legal superiority. So without those three things, you cannot form a racist society because guess what? White people have all those structures in place to maintain their superiority. If if they don't want you to have the loans to, to put businesses, because let's be honest, you go to a black community, there are barely any black businesses, but there are lots of, you know, Middle Easterners. There are lots of, you know, Asians, you know, in the, in the black community, you know, in quotations. But you will not see black people own businesses in Chinatown or in, in you know, little Italy or little whatever, little, you know, little whatever. And, and that's specifically set up, you know, with the redlining, with, uh, 
you know, uh, predatory lending. All of these things and all these structures are set up specifically so that black people don't get the advantage in their own community. So they constantly have you living in the thumb, under their thumb, and, and when you have no place else to go, the only life that you see is crime because that means you can generate income and even though you don't have a high school or college degree. So, you know, that's why I'm also adamant about raising um, the minimum wage, but not to a flat rate. Um, to whatever the living wage is in that state or in that area, I think it should be raised to because when you don't pay people enough, the amount of crime doubles and triples. And that's not even, you know, that that's a statistical fact. You know, that's not even debatable. So there's a lot of things that I'm working on. I'm writing papers on the whole deal. So that's, you know, that's really been taking up a lot of my time. That's all impressive. I wish that you could talk other people into being more impressive. Yeah, me too. But I tell people like this, people have to want to do it themselves. Because think about this. If every day, all right, if every day I went out and convinced 1,000 people, that's just 1,000, that's seven days a week. That's 7,000 7, people Every day of the year, you know, every every week, it would still take me a hundred years before I got all black people on board with, you know, the te- with the population that we have now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? This is a thousand people a day. It would literally take me a hundred years to get black people on board, and that's assuming that you know people were willing to accept, you know, the fact that we could do these things. So it mm-hmm. it, it takes a monumental effort of people to to educate and awaken themselves because, you know, one person is not going to do it. A group of people is not going to do it if no one wants to listen. So I hear you. Very, very hard. Uh, one thing I try to in, impress upon people is we can't try to reinvent the wheel, all right? You're not going to get rounded and round, all right? I say that to say that 100 years ago, a man lived by the name of Marcus Messiah Garvey, and that man, that one man, had more people in his organization than I would say any melanated organization has members today. Without a, right. without a television, without a, 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 a social media, any of that. What I'm remember, clear remember on, what they did to discredit him. They, they found anything that they could on him, and they sent him to jail for false advertising. They said, no, they hey, didn't discredit him to his people, though. And, no, and see, well, that's the thing, though. We don't they, need as everybody. Soon as they deported him, but this is the thing. As soon as he went to jail, membership started falling off. And then as soon as he got out of jail, they quickly deported him. Yeah. As fast as he got out of jail, J. Edgar Hoover said, look here, we're going to deport your black ass back to Liberia. Back, well, actually, back to Jamaica. No. And then he, from Jamaica, not, he went to Liberia. Right. Well, no, he, he never made it to the continent of Africa. So his, and his, right. and as much as he was a one of back to African man, he never himself cut step foot on the continent. But that being said, where I'm headed with it is that we don't need everybody, man. There's a, a man by the name of Steve Copeland, and he had something called the, the damn, I just lost it just that second, the equation or something of that nature, where he says, you only need 20% of the people. Because once you get those 20% and you do something and you start winning, 
Another 20% will be like, yo, I want to run with the winners. So now you got 40%. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. Once you start getting some momentum, you will, you will have people who will be like, I don't care what they do, I ain't with them. So say that's 25 30%. You ain't going to never get them anyway. So don't worry about them. But then once you start winning, that 40 turns to 50 turns to 60%, you don't need everybody to do nothing. And I'm clear, all of the best movements we had, we didn't have the high-profile Negroes of the day supporting them. You know what I'm saying? The high-profile Negroes of the day around uh, 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 Marcus Garvey time, they weren't supporting him. The high-profile Negroes around the time of uh, Elijah Muhammad, they weren't supporting him. You know what I'm saying? You had Muhammad Ali. You know what I'm saying? You had, you know what I'm saying, Otis Redder. You had a couple of them. You know what I'm saying? But for the most part, the high yeah, level of to enter into recorded time and the gentlemen have taken over the show. So I I'm going to... Um, Don't apologize, brother. She needs this in her life. She needs some testosterone. I need some... But okay. It, it goes back to what the boy, you know, WB Du Bois said. You know, there's this talented attempt that is to go back into the neighborhood and educate everybody. It is good in theory, but it is extremely hard in practice. The thing with Marcus Garvey, he was motivational. And we don't have a lot of that now. Everybody is simply for themselves. They're not out for the betterment of their people. And, you know, and that is the problem. You do realize that there is a whole culture, there's a whole culture that is being raised currently who are so, sometimes we don't realize when we are, but we don't realize that our attempt to protect our children from what we experience, I put that in air quotes, um, sometimes goes horribly awry. And we are not, in fact, protecting them from those things that are detrimental. We are protecting them from stuff they need in, in, in such right. a way that we are creating this uh, group of children who have an entitlement syndrome but what are you entitled to? What the hell do, do you guys have to be entitled to? You're entitled to be in this bubble and walk outside of it and get shot because somebody thought you were going for a gun when you had no damn pocket? I mean, what are you entitled to? And they don't get it. Because when they see social media, which is desensitizing them as well, when they see the news and they see these stories and they see the outpouring of protests, and uh, rioting or they look at that and say, oh, that's not happening here. And I'm talking about those kids that experience these things through these various media and not necessarily it's outside of my door. And it's it's not having that effect on them or their parents that are saying, wake up. It's a very limited amount of them that are awakened to the fact that this is the world that I'm about to inherit. And it's no different than the world that my grandfather inherited. It's not better. But remember, and the people, our parents and grandparents were told to remain vigilant. There's white people out to get you everywhere. This generation, not so much. So because we're not teaching them that they have to be vigilant, everything to them is just like blah. You know, so by the time they learn they have to be vigilant, they're already well into their 20s. And so now they're like, okay, well, how come nobody taught me about these things? Because we're certainly not teaching about the history of black people. They're learning their history of black people 
in schools, which basically say Martin Luther King, well, you know, I, you know, I had a dream. And that is the extent of black history that they learn. So they don't learn about the Ida B. Wells. They don't learn about the Marcus Garvey. Because when I was growing up, Marcus Garvey was a separatist who wanted all black people out of America. That's what we learned. Yep. <laughs> yep. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, these heroes, you know, these names in history are being lost because we as parents aren't advocating teaching black history. My mother made me go up to the library and learn about these people. So, I, you know, I know a lot of names throughout history. I know what they've done. I know what they've contributed. But a lot of people that fall under us, hell, I, I ask people what the black anthem is, and nobody can even tell me that list every voice or thing is a freaking black anthem. You know right. There you go. I, so, I, listen, not only do I know the song, I know some of the words. How about that? Man, what? <laughs> I know. I had to sing it. You know, I had to sing it in front of people. Know, I didn't know. I didn't even realize how many uh, verses there were. It's like people don't even know that even after you right. start singing that part, you some more than this song. But but the thing that's getting me is the encounters that I'm having with parents here lately. You know, we had we had a, a baby. We couldn't find his parents. Period. Like they would never answer the phone. They had in their phone, this is the school, don't answer. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's true. I mean, yes. And then we had, um, I mean, I've had problems that I have had here recently with the education of our children has been parents who don't want you to educate their children. They just want right. you to slap a 100 on there and say, my baby's good because they clean and they nice every day. <laughs> like, but, that is not how this works, ma'am. That's not how any of this more, works, ma'am. You know how they're teaching kids now. They're not taught to think. They're taught to regurgitate. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. So, I have had this fight all, today. You know, I do things because I want to see. Today I had one of those experiences. I had to post. I was like, please stop thinking for your kids. They can't think when you go to work. When they separate from you and you go to your job and you drop them off his hands, they stop thinking until you pick them up and tell them what to think again. I can't understand that. I gave you know an assignment. Why? I, I wanted to just tell you how simple it was. I gave an assignment that had three things that they had to put into one onto one piece of paper. Three separate ideas, but they went, I wanted it all on one piece of paper. And I said, make a chart. And they almost, I know, I saw smoke coming out of some of their heads. They were like, so do you want three different charts on three pieces of paper? No. Um, so these are different. Do I make, do I put it all together? No. I want to be able to tell these three different things on your one chart. And all I wanted them to do is make a section, you know, sections, subheadings on the chart. Make a chart that can contain three different ideas. That's all I want. But, it, I mean, it just showed me how if I didn't draw the chart exact and say fill it in, they were done. They wouldn't have known. No, if you went, you should have said a pie chart. That that, that's where you went wrong. You should have said a pie chart. See, why do I have to do that? Make your own chart. Make it a, a Shaniqua chart. Why you got to be a pie chart? Come up with your own way to display that data for this lady and say, well, I made this and is it not all there? Thank you. And that was my point. I just want you to think critically. Just take a minute. Just think critically on your own. Let your mama be in no, no, no. You're not, you're what can too you do? Now you're acting too much now. Right. 
I know. And he because that, right. was, that was so it was and it was for me it was it was frightening because they're just moments away from voting. <laughs> they're just moments away from being alone in a car on the same road I'm on. I mean, they're just, I'm, I've got them at 13, you know. You're almost considered an adult. And these little things that are critical. Well, if you're Jewish, you are you're an adult. If you're black, you are an adult. Right, right. exactly. <laughs> Depending on your culture. They charge you like one. And I'm just, All right. I mean, I'm, so, I'm dying. Let me ask you this. As an educator, because they don't, I'm sorry, let me take a step back. Vivi, where, where are you at physically? Uh, what do you mean? My physical state size and um, Texas. I mean, Texas. Houston, okay. Texas. All right, all right. So y'all both from the same. All right. In the state of Texas, do they teach Roman numerals? Mm. No. Nah. They don't even teach cursive. Okay. They so don't now. Even teach cursive, right? Right. Well, 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 we ain't gonna get into cursive. But so <laughs> I had to teach my own twelve-year-old. Well, at the time she was eleven, I had to teach her Roman numerals because I realized they didn't teach that in school. So when you go to the saying that the parents let your children think because they don't think when you're at work, but that's because those parents are products of the same school system System. that their children go to now. And you got to realize the parents were never taught to think. So I always like to say that we all know Arabic numerals, 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, right? We were in school, they taught us Roman numerals, X, V, L, M, C, you know yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so you know that there's at least two I'm ways. I'm gonna say to an extent. I'm gonna say to an extent because I know in areas that I teach in, it is the migration from the area I grew up in, and in in our in this part of the area that I live in, there has been over a period of time, um, white flight has oh, yeah. come in. So as we move oh. progressively to the suburbs, they move further away uh, south. So what I see is that generation once removed from the, what, what I call the the hood. And I call where I grew up the hood because when I grew up there, that's where all the blacks had come, um, trying to follow the white flight. Um, and so now that they moved, this generation has moved into that space where we weren't allowed. Now it's more of us here, um, and and the whites have moved further away from here now. It, it's the it's the mentality. It's the mentality. So are they that teaching kinda, different things in those? Are they teaching different things in those schools specifically well, Roman like, numerals? Well, like where where I grew up, we did know Roman numerals. It was part no, of I'm our. No, talking about now. We're not talking about eighty years ago when you were in school. We talking about nowadays. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. But I'm saying the things that we learned and how we had to learn them, yeah. they, it's like they don't even want their kids to have to deal with that. If it was that hard for me, I don't want it to be that hard for my kids, so I'm going to put this bubble around my child. Look, see, I don't think I, I recall it's a parental having thing. To, I don't think it's a parental thing at all. I think it's a systematic thing. You know what I mean? Because the system. All right, so boom. So if if you know it's how do you how do you not change? How do you not change what you see as systematic when you have a group of parents right there in arms reach and not say, "Hey, parents, can I get you to stop doing this? Can I get you to stop doing this? You are a group that I can touch immediately." 
it, now, it, even though this my point, is and hopefully you get to the mic on, on what I'm saying. If you okay, know okay. there's Arabic numerals, right, and you know that there's Roman numerals, right, and then I introduce to you, everybody knows what a hashtag is, right? Right. And I mm-hmm. introduce you, that's another number. It used to be a pound sign when I was growing up. And, yeah, thank I know. you, it was a pound sign <laughs> when I was growing up. Right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? But it, and, and a tic-tac-toe board. You know what I mean? Right. But that right there is a number system. You go across the top, one, two, three. The middle, four, five, six. The bottom, seven, eight, nine. So the square in the middle is literally the number five. You know what I mean? So the the, the shape that looks like an L is literally the number three. You see what I'm saying? So right. when you're doing architecture, it's easier to make a five like that than it is to draw an Arabic five. You know what I'm saying? So so it's in certain instances, it's easier to use that number writing system. So if I tell you there's at least three ways to write numbers, what's the next logical question that you have, either one of y'all? Wow. For time constraints, our answer, is there a fourth way? My question would be, what are they? No, is there a fourth way? Is the next, to me, we only called one, now it's the the second one, now it's the third one. The, The next logical question was, is there a fourth one? You know what I mean? What that's doing is that's keeping our children, and not just our children, but the parents of these children, if they was taught and under the same dynamic, not to think. You see what I'm saying? Not to ask, is there anything else? Not to ask, is there another way? Not to ask, is there another answer? You know what I'm saying? So if you don't ever ask that, and I'm always telling you what the answer is, then those parents were taught to believe school teaches right. So you do what the school teacher says, and you don't ask me nothing. You know what I mean? So under that, they they brainwash as much as their children are. Don't remember. School teachers are always wrong. (laughs) What's so wrong? But remember, there's a lot of parents who don't know how to parent, and they certainly, you know, may have not been the best student. So the thing is, is when their child comes around and asks questions, the only thing they can do is put up a defensive, you know, front like, "Well, why you ain't learn that in school?" Because exactly. they themselves may and may not know it, exactly. you know. So, but right. you know, but that's the only way that you're taught. If, if your parents didn't know it but, and you didn't know it, you're not going to how to know how to teach your kids or but teach your children. Why are we always? Why are we always so um, defensive? Which is what? Because okay, so the thing is, it, wrote, it has, it, it's like, but nobody likes to be told they're stupid. And nobody likes to hear but that it, it doesn't have to be that. We, we wrote, but, my friend and I, we wrote, we wrote this grant. And part of this grant was a, a, a section of time and a space where we, the parent and the student could come together to get homework help. Parents could sit there and, hey, teach me this math concept. And it was a space for you to bring your kid to get homework help, definitely, if you don't know how to do the new math. But you had to stay so that eventually – you could learn some of this math, or you were present, even if that meant you were on the computer doing a resume for a job you were applying for. But you had to be there. It couldn't just be a drop-off babysitter. You're and also admitting fault. There were not many. There were not many to participate. You know why? Because no, no parent thinks they're not smart enough. And they certainly, if they believe that they're not smart enough, they certainly ain't going to let the teacher know. You see what I'm saying? Or they're not going to be in a, in, a, in a position where other parents may know they're not as smart. And it becomes a matter of pride. So I know. The, the, and then the, we're, we're, so, we're so proud to the downfall, you know, of our, our baby's success. And that's what kills me. 
But you know what? That's to me. That's because they don't see the end result of admitting right. you don't know. You know what I mean? They don't see the end result of getting this knowledge that you're giving me. So what's it going to get me? I already got my job. I already got my diploma. I already got this. What's knowing how to do A, B, and C going to do for me? What's the, what's I going to? How's that going to make my life better? They don't see the it's tangible result. What we have to do, the, you know the hardest thing in my estimation to do is to make somebody else see your vision. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't have to tell me. I know. You know what I mean? So 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 now you got these parents and they're not seeing the end result, the payoff, the you know what I'm saying, the jackpot at the end of that rainbow because they have been desensitized. They have been systematically taught not to be taught. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, 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 but and me personally, I want you to call me stupid because I get to do things at that point. Either I get to prove you wrong, stupid, or I get to learn something new. Mm-hmm. You know, Malcolm, Malcolm X said it best. When you live in a poor neighborhood, you get poor schools. When you get poor schools, you get poor teachers. When you get poor teachers, you get a poor education. When you get poor education, you get a poor job. And when you get a poor job, you're back in a poor neighborhood. So you have this endless cycle perpetually happening. And then people, you know, who are stuck in that cycle don't want to simply admit that they don't know. Because as a parent, you're, to your kids, you know everything. You know, mm-hmm. and, and first of all, that's, guy. But that's not being real. That's not being real because nobody here, let me not speak for nobody, everybody. I don't know anybody who thought that their parents knew everything. Oh, so but that's it. No, no, no. Later on in life, you, you know realize that. But, but, but as a kid, age, yeah. you think your parents know everything. I don't you know, know about that. Nobody. But you thought your parents knew everything when you was a child? Yeah. No, I because did. you knew everything as a child. No, 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 no. Because even then, like, if I ever asked a question, you know, I always thought they'd have the answer. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't expect them to, you know, to to don, you know, uh, Supreme Court robes and be like, you know, all is right in the world. But if I had a question for my parents or if I had a homework question, I knew my parents were going to be able to, to help me because my parents knew everything. And if they couldn't help me, then they was like, you know, maybe you should talk to your teacher because I, I don't know that, you know. So that's when I realized my parents were fallible. When they, when I had to ask my teacher for stuff that I was like, okay, this is stuff we're learning in the school, not taking the fact that I'm taking all these freaking honors courses in school and my parents just don't know the stuff that we're right. learning now, you know. Yeah. So yeah. It, it was only then that I realized it. And, and growing up, you see it. But when you're a child, you know, you you want your parents to know everything because that's why kids ask the first person people they ask questions to are their parents. You know, I, I don't understand this, mom, dad. Can you help me? You know, and, and yeah. that's what you're there for. If you can, we, ha- we have to we have to start changing some of that mentality. It it has to change because they're they're coming through a system that strategizing how to put. Uh, a pencil mark inside of a letter, uh, letter, uh, letter bubble will say to them, "I'm successful." They can have absolutely right. no knowledge, but having great testing skills, and these children are learning to identify with that. I, I was talking to a young lady today. I read her answer, and I said, "You are at words. However, you have said absolutely nothing." I said, "What's your answer?" 
Because you put these words together beautifully, but it says nothing. So then sometimes this is the curse of being a wordsmith. However, you never gave me the answer. I can't go and put my opinion on your answer anywhere. And she looked at me and she said, Mom told me that. So it's nothing new. However, for years that's worked with her because I'm sure some teacher somewhere was impressed with how well, how articulate her answer was. It didn't matter that it had no value. And so she associated herself with, I'm articulate. However, no substance. And she sailed on along with that. And I I couldn't. I I was like, this is is not not acceptable. Beautiful words say something next time. And, you know, I could put her next to a young man. Most men don't do all the fluff. And he has fewer sentences, but he said the answer. I said, here's the difference. But she's a master at bubbling in answers. So she makes great scores. So she couldn't contemplate how she could make a great score on a standardized test and not have anything of value to put into a answer that is, you know, comes from thinking. And that just that frustrates me so much because I see it a lot. They know how to test, but they don't know how to think. Do you think that because I've I, I thought to, to your other question of how we can. Sometimes I think you need to try to skip generations. What I mean by that is the grandparents. And I know the grandparents are raising a lot of these children nowadays, so that's really not skipping a generation. But if you go to the end, of course, now with the economy, the way it's grandparents is working. So they're not, when I was a child, grandparents were home a lot of times. But mm-hmm. you go to the grandparents, so the grandparents, don't know this young whippersnapper learning. You know what I'm saying? So if you can mm-hmm. get grandparents and link the grandparents to the children, what that does is that now ostracizes the parent. And just mm-hmm. like nobody wants to be told they're stupid, nobody wants to be ostracized. So how come mm-hmm. my mother know this math problem, my child know this math problem, but I don't know this math. I got to learn this math out. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's one way. And That's for the most for the most you know what? Part, grandparents may have more expendable time than a parent. So they, they may be able to fit their schedule in to learning a little more. You know what I mean? So, I mean, but we got to find different ways to do the same thing we've always been doing. Well, see, they have when, you know, I ended up going to, you know, um, Zambia in a country, you know, a couple of countries in Africa. And they were adamant. And they said the difference between us and Americans simply this. And the reason why, you know, geniuses are so renowned is because they teach to the student. You know what I'm saying? They, mm-hmm. The way they teach is not some standard every size yes. fits all. You have to yes. teach mm-hmm. to cater to the student. And every student learns differently. So if there mm-hmm. are certain kids that, that learn slowly, you find a different way to teach to them and not mm-hmm. demand mm-hmm. that they learn the way that you're supposed to be teaching. So everybody and, you know, is learning. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just, I'm, I'm agreeing with that, but here's what tends to happen in the world of education because this, this is where my life is right now. Right now it is me, every student's me, you know, whatever way they need to learn, however you need to impart this, and give them these experiences with engineering and science and technology and do that to the nth degree. 
they got to take the standard out test, so you need to teach that too. And right. it's like, yeah. how in the world, because the two don't align. The standardized test does not align to teaching a student what they need to know. They're not the same. There is a whole process in teaching how to work a test, and that is what I cannot say. I I had that moment today. I'm like, "This this is ridiculous. You want me to give them the best of this world that is good for them, teach them where they are, give them these experiences, got it. Radio. But then teach this test, and that's, they don't go together. So so you're you're exactly right, and that's what they have over us. And at some point, if we could do that year in and year out, our students would perform better on the standardized test because their experiences would be so much above that level of thinking that standardized tests offer because they've had a wealth of knowledge given to them in, in any kind of means that they retain it. But we can't get to that. Yeah, but remember, and, and she said this, if you teach the student the way they know how to learn, they're less likely to quit on it. Yeah. You know, and th- that's the problem we have with math and sciences here. You teach them to learn a test or to take a test, never take it into account that they're not learning it, you're just telling it to them, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're working to pass this test. You know, you know like I know in the state of Texas, it's still, if you don't pass, you know, the, uh, I forget what it's called. If you don't pass that test, you can't graduate, you know. Mm-hmm. So you're teaching kids simply to pass this test rather than giving them knowledge that they need to survive in this world. And yep. that is the issue and, that we're having. But that's what public and, education and is all out. about. And now they're finding out that you've done all this for all these babies, whole entire educational, you know, um, progression to their senior year. And when they go to move into a college, the test that, that their course determines their courses, they are failing miserably. So right. they've been in school this whole time, been on an honors path, and they take this TSI, and it says they need remedial everything. And the whole first year of college doesn't even matter because it's all remedial right. coursework. It doesn't even count. What kind of education system is that? But because I tell you what kind of education. It's the kind that makes laborers and not corporation owners. Thank if you right. teach if you teach these masses to repeat and regurgitate, they will never be exceptional. They will only be right. workers. You know, and right. that is the point of capitalism. To have as many yep. workers as you can handle. In fact, more than that so that you can more than them as little exactly. as possible. Right. Right. And then every time I listen to these politicians talk about how we need to do these various things in education, they talk about where their children are, they're always in a, a private school, never oh, yeah. subjected to the public school testing, um, requirements, standards, never subjected to that. Their children are always products of private school because, just like you said, they're the ones that are going to run the corporations that they that they are, are building, and that's where their family generational wealth is coming from, and they never are going to be those laborers. That's not what the plan is. And it's so sad that they get to make all of these decisions for a school system that they don't utilize. This is by design. This is by design. It goes a step further, if you ask me, because what students need to realize is that they are education. What do I mean by that? 
everything that that science teaches telling you happens in your body. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you talk about math, I remember I went to basketball court with this young dude one day, and I say, I asked him, was he good at math, blah, 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 what's he going on? And I said, well, you know that shot you just took is a mathematical equation. What are you mm-hmm. talking about? Times, times, speed equals distance. You know what I'm saying? The amount of time that's in the air versus the amount of speed equals how far the shot is. You know what I'm saying? And once you hit it against the backboard, now you add in, you know what I'm saying? Now, now you add in geometry into it. You know what I'm saying? But they don't, it's, it's harder to manifest math than it is to write it on the paper. And they don't realize that they're manifesting it every time they cross the street. They're manifesting it every time they catch a ball. They're manifested every time, you know what I'm saying, they walk down the block and, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and step over the cracks. Don't step on the crack if you break your mother back. That's mathematical problems to do that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But they don't realize that that's math, so they don't see how it how it relates to their person. They don't realize that if you live in Missouri with Michael Brown, you are social studies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You you are mm-hmm. what you study. But they don't see that, in, and, as, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the system doesn't make that a priority. No, no, no. no. You are mm-hmm. not education. You're getting education. Like, for real? Yeah. Like, no, I am this. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, so we're, we're way into recording time. Like, we're like 30 minutes. Into They're like, yeah, get I think you phone. need to let me and the homie, you know what I'm saying, take over next week. You and DB? Yeah, I ain't stuttering. I don't know. I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> DB is busy. DB is busy next week. Uh, you know what? what, what it, I enjoy conversations like this because, like, uh, whenever I get to have them, I enjoy having them because it opens up. You know, it opens up perspective and you know different avenues of things that you may not have seen or may not have heard of before. So you know, you always appreciate mm-hmm. that. Right, I agree. And unless you know who the other soldiers on the battlefield are. Right. <laughs> and I apologize, Imash, because I, I think we just, we got on a bandwagon and we stayed on it, and I love you. Sorry. That's <laughs> fine. I've already prepared myself for bed. It's okay. I didn't know you were still there, young lady. <laughs> Man, me either. I was listening. Sometimes you just have to put on your listening ears. You better chime in with your little Carolina kitty self. (laughs) 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 Yeah, you know, education, I get passionate, and I can't, I don't shut up, so I'm sorry, honey. And I did good, I didn't have, like, a coughing attack. Um, I did good. I appreciate the patience. (laughs) Or something else. And you anyway, do we have a um, do we have a guest next week? Um, I'll let you know. I do have a guest that we rescheduled, and so I'm going to get the particulars on when she would prefer to be on the show since we rescheduled. Um, because I think that would be very interesting to have her on the show. But she's going to get back to me and let me know what fits her schedule best coming up, you know, we're going to go and have our um, hiatus for the holiday season, um, and so we're going to be off for Thanksgiving, and then I think we come back a week, and then we're off for the rest of the holiday in um, December, so... What do you think? If you don't know, who the hell knows? 
You see that passive aggressive bullshit she's talking about? The, the powers that like be you. are going to make the decisions. Say, no, you the powers that be. I, I like to say it that way so that everybody feels like they're part of the team, asshole. Uh, <laughs> well, so, can, I make, with, can I make an announcement? Make an announcement, love. Okay. So when we do come back from vacation and hiatus for the holidays, I would like people to be prepared with their calendars so that we can start planning our retreat effectively <laughs> and get people on board. So so just be ready when we come back from holidays. I'm ready okay. now, but we ain't talking about me. Yeah, I think she's punking me right now. No, 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 because, Ron, you're not ready because you still have people on your list that don't confirm until after Christmas, so you're not ready. No, so, I, I'm yeah. ready. I actually don't want nobody to come except for us now. How about that? Nobody, no, Nobody's invited. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can come, like DV. You can come. Uh, uh, I, 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 I like the way your brain works. Well, this is not going to be no... Um, Panther meeting. That's it. You stupid. She said it's a and panther and meeting. What are you talking about? The Panthers were 35% women. Uh, yes, they were. Mm. Yes, we were. <laughs> if I had lived at that time, I would have been a Panther. Yeah, I they got the some best, new Panthers out there. You can join them. I think the best um, black history event we had at school was the time that I recreated a Black Panther meeting. <laughs> oh, you should have seen the look on those teachers' faces. It was wonderful. Do you have pictures? I have a couple of pictures, but I have to find them. It was wonderful. I'm telling you guys. I made pamphlets, and I had my little my little Panthers in the hallway passing them out. <laughs> Did you have the little beret? I had, yeah, hey, I made them come to the meeting and I made them all do the pledge. <laughs> all of wow. Them. If you are in here, you're doing this pledge. So all those teachers that don't look like us, I was like, hey, put your hand up. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't fire you that day. You know, because you know, I real, remember, real. remember who my principal was. She was the first African-American yeah. principal in the entire district. Yeah, so she, mm-hmm. no, she was like, yeah. That was great. I'm just saying. The good old days. Nostalgia. The good old days. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, good night, gentlemen. Good night, beautiful Imaj. She's time to go. Good night, Miss Lady. Good night. Uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>